You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll explore the importance of faith in the daily life of the believer. The Bible is very, very clear about the importance of faith. It's, it's extremely important to you and I as believers. Without faith, the Bible says it is literally impossible to please God. Our relationship with, with our, our Lord is literally dependent upon faith. The Bible is very clear that faith is what brings what God has provided for us from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. The Bible also says that it is our faith that enables us to overcome the world. So I want you to to, to really remember this and hold on to this. Everything that the Lord has done for us is accessed through faith. Yet here's where the problem is. So many people fail to live by faith. And one of the reasons is because many people mistakenly believe or think that the main criteria for which God uh, evaluates us, judges us, looks at us, is through our works. This is why there are a number of people who mistakenly think that if they make a mistake, then God is mad at them, or if they drop the ball, that God is angry and he's some big mean ogre in the sky that lives to punish us. This is why there are a number of people who will say things to me, or I'm sure they probably said it to uh, some of our other pastors or ministers, uh, when I get my life together, then I'll, I'll come to Jesus, or there's some things that I got to get right first before I come to God. And many people say that, Many of us behave that way or even think that way because we think that the main criteria through which God judges us, evaluates us, and even deals with us is by virtue of works when that is not the case. The main criteria through which God uh, evaluates us, deals with us, is not works, it's faith. This is why through this series... I've been intentionally taking my time and walking you through scripture after scripture, precept after precept, because faith is a big subject um, that's really misunderstood, but yet it is so necessary to our walk and our experience as believers. But I've also been taking the time to walk you through scripture upon scripture upon scripture, because I really want you to understand that the same faith that saved you is the faith that we are called to live by. For those of you who think that God is mad at you or that if you make too many mistakes, God is done with you, I want to remind you, and I've been stressing this every week, you are not saved by your works. This is why Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works. Notice this. He says, I don't want anyone to be saved by works because if if that's possible, then you can boast and think that, that you're good enough or that if you cross every T and dot every I, then that's enough. God says it's not of works. It's a gift. We are saved by grace through faith. And the same way that we are saved Through faith is the way that we are supposed to live. This is why Romans 1 and 17 that we read a moment ago says that the just live by faith. So you and I have been saved by grace through faith and we are supposed to live by faith. The just live 
by faith. But there's something else in Romans 1 and 17 that we read a moment ago that I want you to, to focus on and pay attention to with me. And, and, and it says, uh, literally, that, that while we are to live by faith, here's the other thing. While we are living by faith, Romans 1 and 17 stresses that we should also be growing from faith to faith while we are living by faith. That while we're living by faith, we ought to be growing in the area of our faith. This is why it says that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It, it means that more of God, more of who he is, more of what he has for us is revealed as we move from one level of faith to the next. It suggests that God doesn't give us everything up front. That he doesn't reveal everything up front. And, and that makes sense. If you, if you were to walk into your favorite department store, whatever it is, if it's Saks or Neiman's or Nordstrom's or Belk or Macy's, uh, when you walk into the lobby or the foyer of your favorite department store, everything that's in that department store is not in the lobby. You and I don't walk into the department store lobby and say, Woo, we've arrived, and then go home because you can't see everything that the department store has to offer in the lobby. In order for you to take in everything that the department store has, you got to go beyond the lobby and begin to explore all of the different uh, nooks and crannies and floors and levels of that department store. And that's the message that Romans 1 and 17 wants us to understand, that God is not going to give us everything up front. But as we mature and as we grow from faith to faith, more of who he is, more of what he has for us is revealed. This is why God calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is 75 years old. And he says that I'm, I'm going to bless you to have a, a son and an heir. And he makes, makes this, this, this declaration to Abraham. But Isaac is not born until Abraham is 100 years old. Several chapters later, if you follow the story in Genesis. So why did it take 25 years? What was going on from 75 to 100? What was going on is that every step along Abraham's journey, he was literally growing in his faith. So God says, I'm not going to give it to you right away. But because you, you may not be at the faith level I need you to be at for what I'm ultimately going to ask you to do in Genesis 22. So, so, so I want you to, to walk with me, journey with me, and grow in your faith. And as your faith grows, more of me and more of what I have for you will be revealed. I think your neighbor missed it. This is why then Joseph is given this dream. But there's a lot that transpires before the dream comes into fruition. He's given the dream, but then right after the dream, his brothers leave him for dead in a pit. He's sold into slavery. He's got to work in Potiphar's house. He's lied on in Potiphar's house. He's thrown in prison and ultimately languishes in prison until one day he's promoted to the palace. Now, the dream comes to fruition when he gets into the palace, but that's not overnight. Why? Because, because there's something about the pit that grew his faith. There's something about being lied on in Potiphar's house that helped his faith go to the next level. There's definitely something about helping others in prison, hoping that they would help you, and then they forget about you, and you languish in prison longer than you even expected to be there. That ultimately grew 
his faith so that when it was time for him to step into the palace, it wasn't just a change in location. It was that he had fundamentally changed and was ready for now the dream to come into fruition. God showed him the dream a long time ago, but he wasn't ready in his level of faith until much later. Are you following me? There is a level of faith that you need for the level of blessings and breakthrough that you're pursuing. That's, that's so good. There's a level of faith that you need for the level of breakthrough and blessings that you are pursuing. And if you misunderstand this, then you will become easily frustrated with the process. One of the most painful things that, that I have to do as a pastor is I, is I have to sometimes watch people on their journey. And, and it's painful because I've seen a number of people get frustrated on their journey. And, and they get so frustrated that they ultimately forfeit what God has for them. And, and they get frustrated and they give up and they forfeit what God has for them. All because it doesn't happen as soon as they wanted it to. And what they ultimately miss is that where they were in that moment was purposeful because where they were in that moment, even though it was frustrating, even though it's not the way where they want it to be, what they miss is that where they were was building their faith for where they wanted to go and where they ultimately want it to be. Do you remember when David, in the story of, of, of David's growth, when David gets ready to fight Goliath? The first thing that they try to do is they try to dress him up in Saul's armor. And, and David tries it on, but he says, I, I can't go fight in this stuff. And they say, well, what are you going to use? He grabs his slingshot and he sto these stones. And, and they say, you, you, you can't fight Goliath with a slingshot and stones. And they laugh at him. And he said, well, but see, when I was in the, in the wilderness, when I, was, when I was shepherding sheep, and when lions and tigers and bears would come and attack the sheep, it, God gave me victory with my slingshot and, and these stones in the wilderness. And, and, so, and so the same way that God gave me victory in the wilderness against lions, tigers, and bears with my slingshot and stones, he'll give me victory with Goliath. Are you following me? What grew David's faith to be able to face Goliath with a slingshot and a few stones is that he was intentionally in the wilderness dealing with lions, tigers, and bears because they were purposed to prepare him for where God was taking him. The lions and the tigers and the bears in the wilderness were there to build his faith to take on Goliath. Hmm. So the Bible is very clear that God is the ancient of days. It goes on to say that he knows the end from the beginning. So listen to this. God already knows your destiny because he created it. God knows that a Goliath is coming. God knows that a Goliath of an opportunity is coming your way. So what he does to prepare us is, is that since he's already been to the end, he puts it in reverse, backs up, and then intentionally places instances, experiences, and even challenges in our way that are designed to build our faith for what's coming. Oh, this is so good. So, so let me show you something. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 1 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, 
Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. Somebody shout foundation. He says, let's, let's leave the elementary principles. Let's go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And notice this, and this we will do if God permits. Now, I want you to notice all of the things that in Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, are considered elementary principles. They're even called foundational things, which means that, that everything on our faith journey is literally built upon the foundation of these things. It also means, incidentally, that if you've been a believer for, for quite some time, then you ought to master these things. You ought to be able to teach these things. You know, people say, I've been, boy, I've been saved. I've been saved longer than you've been alive. Hallelujah. Okay, well, if you, if you are that super saved, then you ought to be able to teach this stuff in your sleep. Because the Bible says that these are the elementary principles, but, but not only does it say they're elementary, but it says that they are foundational. It says we, we shouldn't have to lay again the foundation of these things. And then the last uh, part of that says, and, and we'll do this if God permits. Now, I could take an entire month or two and teach on every one of these things that are considered foundational. I won't do that, but I want you to notice what one of them are. It, it's one of them that's considered foundational, uh, is underlined. It says, and faith toward God. These things are considered foundational. And it says, and we will do this if God permits. That's key. Uh, my family and I live in Hoover and, and around the area where we live in Hoover, Alabama, there's a lot of construction going on. And one of the things that I learned uh, about, about building construction is, is that when a house or when a building is going, going up, the first thing that they have to do is they have to lay the foundation. And, and then there's, there's somebody called a building inspector hmm, that has to come out and inspect the foundation. And if the foundation has been established properly, the inspector will give a permit so that you can continue to build. And this we will do if God permits. Many of you have been called to build something great. You, you've been praying and seeking and working at it, but I want you to understand that God as your building inspector is looking at your foundation. And one of the most important components that he's looking at in your foundation is this issue of faith. And, and depending on how strong your foundation is, he may give you a permit to build further. I want you to get this because somebody here this morning, you're frustrated because you feel like things haven't been moving quite as fast as you want them to move. And you're here, you're in this series because, because God is saying before he can issue that permit, your foundation has to be secure. Oh, I don't think you got it. Let me see if I can teach it another way. They're going to put a picture up on the screen and the picture is of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The Leaning Tower of Pisa, it's in, it's in Pisa, Italy. 
Uh, I've had an opportunity to see it on a couple of different occasions. In fact, uh, several years ago, we took a group uh, from our church on one of our international exposure tours, and we got a chance uh, to see Rome and uh, all of the great churches there. And we also saw this leaning tower of Pisa. Now, here's the thing. The the leaning tower of, of Pisa began to lean as it was being built. It didn't didn't get finished being built and then started leaning years later. It started leaning while it was being built. Why? Because the foundation upon which they were trying to build it on was not strong enough for what they were building. It wasn't strong enough to support it. And so to this very day, it's still leaning. God doesn't want your marriage to be cricket. God, 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 God doesn't want your dreams and your business and your children and all of the things that you've been believing him for. He doesn't want it to lean. He doesn't want it to be cricket. He wants your foundation to be strong. And one of the things that he inspects as our heavenly building inspector is where we are on this issue of faith. Because if your foundation is not in place, you can't build anything else on a foundation that won't support it. So we are called to move from faith to faith. And in order to do that, we must understand, number one, foundational faith. Talking about your foundation. We we must understand, number one, number one, foundational faith. What is foundational faith? Foundational faith is the faith that we often spend the most time talking about. Oh, faith towards God, or, you know, I want to believe God for this, or I want to believe God for that, or help me, or, or uh, pray that my faith may not fail. What we spend so much time talking about is foundational faith. And let me be clear, foundational faith is not just believing in the dark. We talked about this at the beginning of this series. There's a difference between faith and hope. And even when the Bible talks about hope, It always tells us to put our hope in the Lord or in the Word. Foundational faith is not just believing in the dark. Oh, I hope so. No, no, no. Foundational faith is believing what the Word of God lays out about you and and, and any uh, other thing pertaining to your life. As a matter of fact, this is why Hebrews 11 and 1 uh, gives us the, the, the quintessential Bible definition of foundational faith. And I love the amplified version. It says, now, faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for. I love it. Divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen. I love this. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. I love that. But here's what I want you to understand. We have the assurance. We have the title deed and the confirmation because of the word. Are you following me? So, so write this somewhere in your notes. Foundational faith is our faith in God to get our needs met. That's what foundational faith is all about. Foundational faith is, is our faith in God, in his word, to get our needs met. Foundational faith is all about us. It's all about us. It's all about us. Now, it's called foundational faith because it is the starting line of faith. This is where we start. 
But it's all about us. It's, it's, it's our belief, our faith in the word of God and what he promises to get our needs met. But it's the starting line. Somebody say starting line. It's the starting line. Foundational faith is all about us. Now, even though it is the starting line, there are some significant things that are accomplished in foundational faith, and I want to walk you through some of them. For an example, we are justified by foundational faith. We are justified by foundational faith. Romans 5 and 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that's foundational faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified does not mean just as if you didn't sin. Justified means that because of what Jesus did on the cross, when God looks at you, he sees you as if you never sinned in the first place. We have that by virtue of what Jesus did on the cross. That's what it means to be justified. But how does it happen? Through faith. Meaning you've got to receive by faith. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, that you and God are okay. That God is not holding a grudge against you. That's why it says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are justified by foundational faith. I'll give you another one. Our hearts are circumcised in water baptism by foundational faith. Our hearts are circumcised, meaning there's been a change in our heart. In water baptism by foundational faith. Look at Colossians 2 and verse 11. It says, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Water baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. What is that inward change? That God has done a work in my heart. That I have received him as my personal savior. That I, I, I've confessed him. I believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so now I am going to be water baptized. This is why you hear us always talking about it. Because what happens through water baptism? By faith, I am acknowledging that just like Jesus was dead, I died of self, died of my old life, buried, I go under the water, resurrected, I come up out of the water as a new person. But all of that is transpired by faith, foundational faith. Here's another one. We receive Holy Spirit baptism by foundational faith. We receive Holy Spirit baptism by by foundational faith. I love Galatians because in it, the Apostle Paul is going off. Because the Galatian church have received Christ, received Holy Spirit baptism by faith, and now they are listening to people trying to pull them back into this works law kind of thing. So the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 3 and 1, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He says, I'd like to just learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit, there it is, Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you 
by the works of the law or by believing what you've heard. He's, he's asking them rhetorically, clearly, everything that's happened in your life, the Spirit of God, works of miracles and all of that happened because you believed, not because of what you did. So once again, we receive Holy Spirit baptism by foundational faith. One of the things in our life retreat, when I teach the last session about, about why uh, Holy Spirit baptism and all of that, and we, we deal with it every year on Pentecost Sunday, that's the main thing that I stress, that you receive Holy Spirit and the filling of Holy Spirit by faith. This is foundational faith. Here's another one. We receive divine healing for our physical bodies by foundational faith. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24, it literally says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we may die to sins and live alive or be alive or live for righteousness. And he goes on to say, By his wounds you have been healed. Isaiah said, By his stripes we are healed. So you receive divine healing for your physical body by foundational faith. I love, I love the story of, of, of Mother Osteen, the, the mother of Joel Osteen, and I've had great opportunities to meet her and uh, even had her pray for me. I just, I love her. She's a tremendous woman of faith, and she always tells her story. But uh, many years ago, the doctors said she only had a short period of time to live. She had an invasive form of cancer, and they told her basically, get your affairs in order. That was the doctor's report, but she said that she went home and she found every scripture in the Word of God that talked about the healing that belongs to us through Jesus Christ. And every day, she would memorize those scriptures, she'd recite those scriptures, and miraculously, the cancer is gone. She's still alive and well to this very day. Why? Because we receive divine healing for our physical bodies by foundational faith. All of this is foundational faith. I'll give you one more. We receive financial blessings by foundational faith. We receive financial blessings by foundational faith. What do you mean, Pastor? Philippians 4 and verse 19. Many of you know it. And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The silver is his. The gold is his. He is the God of more than enough, not just enough. He is, he is our provider. He is not a God of lack. But how do I tap into it? Foundational faith. There have been so many times that I've been in a crossroads and, and I've learned over the years to say, now God, all right, you said in your word that you will supply all of my needs. I got need and so need meet God, God meet need. I stand on this word by virtue of foundational faith and every single time God moves. That's foundational faith. It's foundational faith. Now, when we read Hebrews 11, which, which you know, many people know if you've been around uh, the Bible or the church any length of time, that's, that's the faith chapter. That's the faith chapter. And we read, you know, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by, by, by faith Ruth, by faith Deborah. And, and it just goes through this, this, this list of heroes that live by faith. Here's what I want you to understand. All of these great men and women that are listed as heroes in the, in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11, all of them lived by foundational faith. 
What does that mean for us, Pastor? It means this. Our faith begins in Hebrews 11, talking about foundational faith, but it doesn't end there. Our faith begins in Hebrews 11 with foundational faith, but our, but our faith doesn't end there. What do you mean our faith doesn't end there? Hebrews 11 talks about by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith David, by faith Ruth, by faith. I mean, all of these great heroes, what do you mean our faith doesn't end there? Well, let me show it to you. In Hebrews 11 and verse 13, it says this, all these people were still living by faith when they died. <sighs> by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Moses, great, great people of faith. Yes, foundational faith. Hebrews eleven thirteen says they were still living by foundational faith when they died. Here's the key. And they did not receive the things promised. Two things you need to know about foundational faith. Number one, we can die in foundational faith. Number two, we can die and not receive the promise. Teach, Pastor. I'm teaching better than Derby's responding. I think Bessemer and Anderson and online, y'all are with me. This is so good. I got to get the message myself. Watch the rebroadcast later tonight. Two things about foundational faith. You can die in foundational faith, but you can also die without the promise. What do you mean I can die without the promise? You hear it in the conversations of, of certain people. Oh, pray my strength in the Lord. Pray that I just make it on to heaven. Oh, I'm just living to get there when I get to heaven. Oh, I'm going to put on my robe. I'm just waiting to get up there. I want to see the pearly gates. Oh, come on back, Jesus. I just want to get to heaven. Here's what you need to understand. Jesus didn't do everything that he did on the cross for you just so that you can have a ticket to heaven. There, there are so many individuals who have a foundational faith mindset, and so their whole mindset is, oh, I can't wait to get the glory. I can't wait to get to heaven. And at the same time, you're living hell on earth. So you experience lack. You experience, I mean, all, all kinds of issues I'm just waiting to get to heaven. With foundational faith, you can die and you can die without the promise. See, when the Bible says that Jesus redeemed us, that word redeem is a financial term. Redeem means to buy back. If, if you redeem a coupon, it means you use it to get something. So, so please understand this. You and I were redeemed. We were bought back. We were purchased for a purpose. We were purchased for a purpose, and the purpose was so much bigger than just when I get to heaven. Gonna put on my robe and I'm gonna walk around heaven all day. No, 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 no. No. What he was doing on the cross was so much bigger than you just going to, to, to glory and having fire insurance. It's great. We know that when this life is over, we'll have a home in eternity. That's great. But what you gonna do right now? You and I were purchased for a purpose. So you wouldn't just buy a car and not drive it. You wouldn't buy a car and say, oh, I'm going to purchase this car. Ooh, I'm going to put it in the garage. And ooh, when I die, maybe Jesus will bring it to heaven for me. And I'm going to drive the car on the, on the streets of gold. No, 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 no. When you purchase something, you purchase it with a purpose in mind. 
I want you to understand this. So you and I were redeemed. We were bought back. We were purchased for a purpose. But here's the thing. You don't fully embrace the purpose nor the promise in foundational faith. You've got to move beyond foundational faith to finishing faith. Remember, we're supposed to go from faith to faith. So number one, I wanted you to understand what foundational faith is. Let me hurry up. Number two, and secondly, and finally, you had to understand what finishing faith is all about. So remember I told you that while Hebrews 11 is the, is the hall of fame of faith, all of those people in Hebrews 11 were in foundational faith. Remember I said that our faith starts in Hebrews 11, but it doesn't end there? Yeah, let me show you why. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 12, and let's pick it up at verse number one. Because Hebrews 11 says, all of these people, they died. They died in faith. And they died without receiving the promise. So then we pick up at Hebrews 12 and verse 1 and it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Here's the picture. That all of these people that we just read about in Hebrews 11, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith David, they are now up in the stands, in the heavens, saying now is y'all's time to run your race. This is why you ought not think, well, you know, let me just get on to heaven. No, 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 you got something to do right here. And here's how you're supposed to run your race, not just with foundational faith, with finishing faith. It says, uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares and let us run with endurance the race, the purpose that is set before us. How? With finishing faith. What do you mean? Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So our faith begins in Hebrews 11, but it ends in Hebrews 12. How does it end? With Jesus who is not only the author, but he is the finisher of our faith. That word finisher means completor. It means consummator. It means perfector. It, it means, it means that, that our faith finds its, its fulfillment, its, its completeness, its perfection. Our faith finds its consummation in Jesus. So, I taught you foundational faith is about getting your needs met. Finishing faith, watch this, is about the fact that anything you will ever need has been provided through Jesus. Did I say that too fast? Foundational faith is God, I, I, uh, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I need, my, I, need my, I, need, I need you to supply all my needs according to riches and glory. That's foundational faith. Finishing faith. It's about the fact that whatever you need, in the words of, of my grandmother, whatsoever you need, baby. Uh, uh, yeah. So finishing faith is about whatsoever you're going to need. Whatever you're going to need, it is provided for in Jesus. This is why the song that, that we were singing a moment ago is it, so critical. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the dark. Th that's who you are. Because one day you may need him to be a waymaker. Another moment, you may need him to be light in the darkness. Another moment, you may need him to be a miracle worker. Another moment, you may need him to be bread in a starving land. Another moment, you may need him to be peace. Finishing faith is that whatever you need him to be, 
God has provided it in Jesus Christ. Let me, let me make sure you, you're with me. This is why 2 Corinthians, Lord help me, I'm almost out of time. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20 says this. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made out of these 66 books, all of the promises are yes, where? In Christ. And so through him, watch this, the amen is spoken by us. Amen means so be it. Amen means I agree. Amen means stamp of seal is on it. I consent. I believe. Do you hear what I'm trying to teach you? So, so it's, it's one thing to understand that every promise that God has made finds its culmination, its fulfillment in Jesus. But the next step is that you and I have got to have the faith to tap into it. That's what finishing faith is about. I'm out of time, but I want to show this to you because I don't know if your neighbor's got it yet. So let me give you a, a tangible sign, clear evidence of the difference between foundational faith and finishing faith. Let me give you this. Finishing faith is about Jesus. Foundational faith is, is about us. Lord, need me, need me. Finishing faith is about Jesus. I'm going to show it to you. Mark 10, verse 46. It says, then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, notice this, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Notice what he says, son of David. Have mercy on me. Get, get the picture. He's, he's blind. He can't see. He's, uh, he's on the roadside begging. He hears all of this commotion. He says, um, what's all this I hear? And the people in the crowd say, it's Jesus of Nazareth. But when he starts yelling, he doesn't yell Jesus of Nazareth. He, he yells Jesus, son of David. Did I go too fast? He's begging. He can't see. He's blind. He says, what's all this noise? What's going on? The crowd walking in the procession say, hey, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He starts yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They say, shh, 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 shh. Don't bother Jesus, son of, son of Nazareth. He yells all the more, son of David. They say Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. When he starts yelling, he starts yelling, Jesus, son of David. And he's yelling, not Jesus, son of Nazareth. He's yelling, Jesus, son of David. And when Jesus hears Jesus, son of David, the Bible says he stopped and, and, and said, call, call him, call him, call him, call him. So they called the blind man over. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now, I, I wish I had time because I do want to understand how a blind man can get to Jesus. I, 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 do, I, I really wonder about that. But that's another message for another day. Uh, could it be that he was listening for his voice? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light 
unto my pathway. That's another message, another time. But he jumps up, and somehow he gets to Jesus. And Jesus says, um, what do you want me to do for you? He says, I, I want to see. Go, Jesus. Go, go uh, said Jesus. Your Ah, there it is. Has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Here's the million-dollar question. What kind of faith was it? I, let me give you the answer. It wasn't foundational faith. I told you in foundational faith, you can die, and you can die without the promise. Ah. It was finishing faith. How do you know it was finishing faith? Because finishing faith is about the promise. See, all of the folk in Hebrews 11 that died in foundational faith, they got stuff. But guess what we get in finishing faith? We get him, the promise. And with the promise comes all the stuff. So Bartimaeus doesn't say Jesus, son of Nazareth, because that's about his past. That's about where he grew up. He says son of David, because son of David is a reference to the promise. Y'all missed it. There are some people that know him by virtue of his past. Oh, yeah, he went, on, went to a cross. He died for me. Yeah, but the breakthrough is when you know that more than the past is the promise. What is the promise? God promised David that you would have a son that would sit on the throne and his kingdom will never end. So when Bartimaeus says, son of David, he's saying, you are the promise and the fulfillment of that which God spoke to David. Your kingdom has no end. You're still on the throne. So I know you can heal my blindness because you're on the throne. And your throne, your kingdom is bigger than blindness. It's bigger than cancer. It's bigger than my problem. So I'm not going to say son of Nazareth, son of David. Because he taps into the promise. Your neighbor missed it. I'm out of time. This is why you remember, uh, some of you might, Jesus gets to the house of Mary and Martha. He gets there late, and they got an attitude. I can't prove that, that Mary and Martha are people of color. I just do wonder, though. <laughs> I can't prove it. But, but, but Jesus gets there. You know, Lazarus, some of you remember this, has been dead in the grave for four days. Jesus gets there, and and, and they get an attitude, you know, I can see the head rolling. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. He said, don't you know that you'll see your brother again? Listen to what she says. Read it when you get home. She starts speaking foundational faith. Oh, yeah, I know that I'll see my brother in that great day and that resurrection that is to come. When I get to heaven, I'll see my brother again. Foundational faith. He says, no, I'm sorry. You don't know who I am. Finishing faith. She says, what are you talking about? He says, just show me where you laid him. But, but Jesus, he's been, he's been dead. He's been stinking. No, 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 no. Show me where you laid him. Why? Because I am the resurrection and the life. M meaning, meaning, if you transition from foundational faith to finishing faith, Mary, Martha, you will have what you need for whatever issue is facing you. Would you high-five somebody, tell them that's why you got to upgrade, 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 upgrade. 
All he says is, I am the resurrection and the life. If you allow me to get into the situation, I can restore it. I can fix it. I can bring life to dead things no matter how long it's been dead. But you got to upgrade and transition from foundational faith to finishing faith because it's about him. This is why we declare you are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. You are a promise keeper. You are a light in the darkness. That's who you are. Listen, I'm over my time, but I want you to get this. With foundational faith, you can die in it, and you can die without the promise. That list of heroes, they got stuff, but they never got the promise. Who is the promise? It's Jesus. You and I have the opportunity to grab the promise, and with the promise comes everything else. Foundational faith is about us getting our needs met. Finishing faith is about Jesus. Foundational faith is about us, me, myself, and I. Finishing faith is about others. Because when you get to finishing faith and you know that whatever you will ever need is in Jesus, and when you have him, you don't stress out about stuff. You don't spend time just giving God a laundry list of what you need. I need this, I need this. No, 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 no. No, you have more time with finishing faith to begin to sow into the lives of other people. Everything that Jesus did wasn't for him, it was for us. Because with finishing faith, when you know who Jesus is and what you have, you then turn your gaze outward and not inward. So when you encounter somebody that's down and out, that feels like throwing in a towel. You say, no, no, wait a minute, come here. Let me talk to you about my Jesus because I want you to know him the way I know him because I'm telling you, when you open your heart to him, he'll pick you up and turn you around. He can take that marriage. He can take that situation and he can mend every heart and he can touch lives and transform it because finishing faith is not only about Jesus, it's about others. Look at somebody around you. They may need what you carry they may need to know that he is real that's why we often ask you to grab your neighbor by the hand I'm hoping that maybe through a connection on your way out at the coffee shop in the lobby maybe you get a chance to say let me let me tell you something he did it for me so I know he can do it for you you I pray you have an opportunity maybe in the lobby or maybe in the foyer, that, that, that you say, wait a minute, I, I just, you look a little down, but let me just make sure that you know that no matter what you're going through, God is going to wake, make a way, that he'll work it out. You ought to sometimes be able to say, let me tell you, it may be difficult now, but there'll be a day when you'll look back on this and say, God, I just want to thank you because I was, I was down and out, but you were still working on my behalf. And you ought to be able to say, I know you'll get there because I was there. And I'm on the other side now, and I can tell you that he's faithful. I can tell you that he's true. I can tell you that he'll never leave you, nor will he forsake you. There's a difference. Foundational faith. Finishing faith. And we're supposed to move how? From faith to faith. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.